0: Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your revelation, supernatural power that's able to transform. Thank you that you've uh, wanting to speak to us, and we just receive what you say through Johan this morning. Bless him. Give him clarity of thought and ease of communication. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Russ. Yeah, I just wanted to remind everyone that, um, that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of revelation. It's not my job to give you revelation. It's not my job to, uh, to say something interesting enough for you to get some sort of revelation out of it. Revelation is your job between you and the Holy Spirit. So if you want revelation out of the message today, don't wait for me to say something interesting. You might be waiting a long time. Engage with the Holy Spirit. What is he saying to you this morning? I'll sit down, I'm done. No. So, uh, like Russ said, we we started this, I guess it's turned into a bit of a little series. Uh, Who am I? Where am I? And now we're going to talk about what am I? Heckler's on the front row here. So, I I talked a bit... um, last week that there's this concept that Jesus is in us by his Holy Spirit, and we are in him by our spirit. In Genesis 2 verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So there's three things there. That we're formed of the, of the dust of the ground, that's our flesh, our earth suit, breathe into his nostrils the breath of life. That's the same word that's used in Proverbs twenty twenty seven, 27, which there it is translated the spirit of man. So God's breathing spirit into us and then we become a being with our soul. In First Thessalonians five twenty three, it says it a bit more clearly. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have a body, we have a soul, which is our, our mind, our, our emotions, our will, and we have a spirit. The body, it's our flesh. It's our carnal desire. It's the part of you that after I've been speaking for three hours, you're like, oh, I'm starting to get hungry. I want to go to Morty's. (laughs) It's where our sexual desire hangs out. Or it's, it's the thing that craves comfort in us. Our flesh just wants to be satisfied. Our soul is our mind or our will, our emotion. It's the part of us that rationalises things, makes decisions, and it gets happy or sad or angry. And as Christians, our spirit is the part of us that is connected to God. And I said last week, Our spirit is seated in the heavenly places. Now, let me just be clear again. The heavenly places is not a destination that you will go when you die. The heavenly places is the spiritual realm. And our spirit lives there. Makes sense, doesn't it? And as Christians, our spirit has supposed to have influence on our body and our soul, our mind. Because if you're led by the soul, you're at the mercy of your emotions. Becomes the driving force behind any decisions that we make. I just want to be happy. And we hear it with, with parents and their kids, I just want my kids to be happy. But we can't let our pursuit of an emotion become the driving force in our life. If you are led by the body, Then you're at the mercy of your desire. I desire this king size block of chocolate. Right now, all of it. (laughs) 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 Or maybe it's drugs or or whatever it is that you get physical gratification from. We look for those things that that gratify the, the our our body, our flesh. You know, Ecclesiastes, when you read through there, the preacher who who was talking in, in that book, he pursues both things of the mind and things in the carnal desire and finds them both ultimately meaningless. If we are led by the Spirit, not by the soul, not by the flesh, but when we are led by the Spirit, the mind and the body align themselves with God's purpose as we step away from our carnal objective. Does that make sense? But when we live without God, before we were saved, we live in the place of our mind and body. Our spirit lies dormant. Or worse, it's subject to the influence of the demonic. In Ephesians chapter two, verse one, it says, "And you, He made alive who were dead in trespass and sins." So, before we were saved, uh, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, or the course of this world means the worldly patterns or understandings. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. So we used to live in this place where we just, well, whatever, whatever seems good in my mind or whatever feels good in my body, that I will do. But now we're saved, we live by the spirit. Well, meant to. Do we? Yeah, You know, I love hearing stories of when, when people get saved <clears throat> and it's that story where they say, yeah, I, was, I got invited to a meeting and I was sitting down the back and, and the preacher was saying some things and, and then the next thing I knew, my hand was in the air and I was running down the front. Do you love those stories? It's, that's the moment, the moment when our spirit, gets influenced by the Holy Spirit and comes alive in us and starts to influence our flesh and our mind. And, and, and you hear these stories, and I, I don't know what I was doing, and my mind is saying, what are you doing? And I'm running up the front because our spirits come alive and our spirit is influencing us. And that's how we're meant to live as Christians, in the influence of the spirit. A Christian who lives without an awareness of their spirit will default to being led by their mind or their body. Because you've got to be led by something. Your intellect or your desires. And we see churches that lean that way because they refuse to acknowledge the things of the spirit. And so what else is there? You appeal to people's comfort levels or... Intellectual levels. And look, let me just say, it's nice to have comfortable seats. I'm not saying we should get pews. And it's nice to have our our minds stimulated and to grasp concepts. They're all things given to us by God, but it's what is leading us. needs to be the Spirit. So as Christians, we must be aware of our spirit. And it's hard for us because we live in Western culture, don't we? Where everything is is um rational or or thought out and, and there's no room for like the spiritual, the weird or the wacky. Fee and I were really um blessed when we lived in New Zealand for a season and we lived in the The most hippie place in the country and we loved it because there was all these people that lived there that had an awareness of the spiritual realm and so when you talk to them you don't have to first convince them that there is a spiritual realm they're already living in it to their detriment sometimes but but you you can go there you can reveal or talk about the fullness of God and all that he is. Because we all live in some sort of mindset, don't we? And our mindsets are shaped by the culture that we live in. But God put our spirit in us. In in Zechariah twelve, it says, "The burden of the word of the Lord against Israel. Thus, the Lord who stretches out the heavens lays the foundation of the earth and forms the spirit of man within him. You have a spirit; He put it there." we need to live in it use it because our spirit is where the holy spirit resides in john 3 verse 6 it says that which is born of the flesh is flesh yep i've been born of the flesh and so i have flesh but that which is born of the spirit capital S, is spirit, our spirit. So being born again is is the point where our spirit wakes up, comes alive, is born again, born anew as the Holy Spirit enters because it's our spirit that is justified by God. Justified means made right. So when we get saved, it's our spirit that's made right. And, and that's why we have the access in the spiritual realm. We're in him. He's in us. Romans 8 verse 16. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Some years ago, Fiona and I had the, the world's most awkward Christmas luncheon. We, um, my mum had just got married to a guy we didn't really know. Um, turns out she didn't know him that well either. That's another story. <laughs> and, um, and so he had his son there and his son's partner, and we were there, and no one kind of knew anyone, and, you know, it's just one of those awkward situations. I know some of you thrive in those situations. I don't. But uh, <laughs> um, the, the, my mum's husband's son... Um, had her His partner, she was involved in sort of the mystical arts, Reiki and spiritual healing and all that sort of thing. And we didn't talk about that. We just, we just had an, as nice a, an occasion as we can, like getting to know people and, you know, it's awkward and small talk and all that sort of thing. And then we went home. And I found out later that she'd said, I don't like that Johann guy. <laughs> There's something about his spirit. Yeah, there's something about my spirit. It's connected with the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit himself bears witness with my spirit that we're the children of God. That's why it says in in 2 Corinthians 2.16 that that to the one where the aroma of death leading to death and to the other with the aroma of life leading to life. She was under the influence of The demonic spirit, and whatever that was, it recognized the spirit in me. You have that same Holy Spirit in you too, and the enemy recognizes it. Do you recognize that you're carrying that spirit? So it's by our spirits, in our spirit, that we are in him, and he is in us 1 John 4.13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. The co-dwelling is in the spiritual realm. 1 Corinthians 6.17, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So it's by our spirit that we are seated in heavenly places. We are joined to the Lord. We're part of him and he is part of us. It's important that we recognise and listen to and acknowledge our spirit. Now I just want to talk because every sermon should have three points. Let's go there. Uh, I can't get them starting with the same leader, sorry. Uh, three functions of our spirit. The first one is, it's our conscience. In Romans 8.16, we'll read that again. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So it's the Holy Spirit is talking to our spirit. We're in communion. Our spirit's in communion with the Holy Spirit all the time because they're in one another. In Romans nine one, I tell the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience also bear, bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. So the Lord reveals truth to us in our spirit. We can't trust our body or our soul to do the right thing because our body craves something. My body craves the donut. And you can insert whatever it is you want in the place of that donut. But my body craves that donut. And my mind says, yeah, just one donut's okay. I'll be all right. No one will know. It's a victimless crime. Any number of things to justify why it's okay for me to satisfy the desires of my flesh. And whatever that donut is for you, you know what I'm talking about. Our mind and and body, they'll work together to do whatever it is they want. So we need our spirit guiding us. Proverbs 20, 27, it says, The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. It's beautiful, isn't it? Let the Lord be illuminated in us. Number two, the second function of our spirit is for fellowship or worship. Because it's by our spirit that we have connection to God, that is why it says in John 4.24, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. 1 Corinthians fourteen fourteen to 15, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So there's a difference between your spirit praying and your mind praying. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit. I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit. I will also sing with the understanding. Spirit and truth. Some um, years ago, Fiona and I, uh, we went to Bethel Church in Reading, California, because we wanted to... um, uh, you know, we've been reading some books, and they've been exciting the things of the spirit in us, and we wanted to go over there and and sort of understand a little bit more. And I really felt the Lord say to me, as we we're preparing to leave, um, we were living in New Zealand at the time, and I felt the Lord say to me, "There's going to be things that make you uncomfortable. Move toward those things." Whew, really? Oh. And so. <laughs> And so I really tried to, to live that word out as I was going to a place and we went there and you know what, there was things there that made me uncomfortable. There was things there that my rational mind was like, what is going on here? How does this work? What, what does this mean? And God was saying, move toward it. And what he was doing... Was challenging me not to live my life with analytical thought governing everything I do, but to live in the spirit. We can't worship in spirit if our mind is so busy analyzing what's going on that we're we're drowning out our spirits, like trying to trying to worship and our mind's shutting it down because our analysis of whatever it is, what someone's doing, what key it's in, or what I'm even how my flesh is responding. We get so caught up in the analysis that we miss. Our spirit can't worship in that way. So I'm not saying we all strip to our underpants like David. Please don't. Please don't. But I am saying let's not get so caught up living in our mind that we don't allow our spirit to worship. And what does it mean for our spirit to worship? I don't know. Ask your spirit. All right, number three. Uh, The third function of our spirit is it gives us perspective. And I touched on this last week as well, that God has given us carnal desires and emotions. So they're not wrong, but they are when they govern you. He's given us carnal desires and emotions. They are to be under the control of the Spirit. For example, Uh, we were recently in Sydney and we had a few ice creams. What's that place called, Tim? Messina. It had these delicious gelato kind of... Anyway, (laughs) calm down, flesh, calm down. (laughs) The body desires it. And and the mind rationalise it. So the body and the mind are focused on the ice cream. We go to the ice cream store and we get the ice cream. But you know, the spirit is seeing a different picture. Maybe the person serving you is looking really worried. Maybe the per- there's a person sitting on their own in the corner, crying into their ice cream, I don't know, sitting there on their own. <laughs> the Spirit sees things from a different perspective. So there's nothing wrong with our carnal desires and emotions, but they are designed to be working in conjunction with the Spirit. Our, our, my, my desire for ice cream leads me to the place where they sell ice cream, but my Spirit's saying, now that we're here, what's going on? Let me show you what's happening here. So good. Second 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 16, Therefore, we do not lose heart, for even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, that's an eternal perspective right there, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, But at the things which are not seen For the things which are seen are temporary Things in the natural But the things which are not seen are eternal So our spirit gives us an eternal perspective Let me tell you something And this might come as a shock to some of you Your body is perishing I know it's hard to believe (laughs) But let me tell you, when you get up in the morning, you know your body is perishing. It's not getting any younger. And it will die at some point. But our spirit gives us an eternal perspective. It changes the way we think about things. changes the way we respond to things. And it influences our mind to become more Christ-like. So the outward man is perishing. Yes, our body's dying. Yet the inward man, our soul is being renewed day by day. We're being sanctified. And sometimes our, our body encounters the power of God and is healed or transformed And that's a miracle and we love that when it happens. But ultimately it will die. And that's why we get a new body when he comes again. So we must focus on the things of the Spirit. These things are temporary. They'll pass away. In Ephesians 3.20 it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. I love this verse, but I used to have such a limited understanding until last week when I was preparing. (laughs) Because I used to say, oh, well, that means whatever you can dream, he can do more. So dream big and he'll do more. And yeah, it can mean that. Sure. But what it spoke to me with is that there's these words exceedingly abundantly above, not more, Above, Which means no matter how good and noble the best efforts of your body and mind will fall exceedingly abundantly below what God's plan is. In Romans 12 verse 2, um, leave this up, thanks Christy, we'll bounce back to it a few times. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The word conformed in the Greek, okay, any Greek scholars, please forgive me, suscitmatizo, which means uh, translated means to be formed or conformed to a mould or a pattern the the word for world or age can be as tra- the greek word aeon we we where we get our term aeon from and let me just read something out um a, a man by the name richard trench writes that Aeon refers to all that floating mass of thoughts, opinions, maxims, speculations, hopes, impulses, aims, aspirations, at any time current in the world, which it may be impossible to cease and accurately define, but which constitutes a most real and effective power, being being the moral or immoral atmosphere, which at every moment of our lives we inhale again, inevitably to exhale. All of this is included in the aeon, or the world, the age. It's a lot of stuff. It's, it's all of the, the understandings or the current um, ways of thinking which are present in the world do not, be, do not form to that pattern. Do you know, the, um, the age in which we live didn't just happen. The enemy's been at work for millennia. Taking ground here, taking ground there, changing people's mindsets, because the enemy is seeking to mould people into the immoral atmosphere. We call it grooming, don't we? In which the next generation grows up with whatever that thing is. It's just normal now. Um, I was in a a books like a secondhand bookshop some years ago, and looking through, there was a Christian section, so I was looking through uh, what was there, and I found this book all about the evils of rock and roll. <laughs> and it was an old book, obviously, because, you know, rock and roll, it's just like, yeah, whatever. Um, but could it be that because I've grown up with it just normal, I don't recognise if, if there's anything spiritual behind it? Just oblivious. Let me step on some toes this morning. (laughs) Yoga. I would never do yoga because I understand that there's a spiritual force at work behind it. And I don't want to expose my spirit to that which is at work in yoga. However, there's a generation, even in the church, Growing up, where yoga is normal because it's in our schools, it's around, it's trendy. And so we don't see the spiritual force behind it. It's normalised. You still my friends? (laughs) Yeah, I was talking to an older gentleman, not in this church. um, This is some years ago in a different church. uh, Because we don't have any old gentlemen here, do we? Um, now I was talking to this guy And, and he, was, he was shocked and horrified That any Christian would ever use the term bugger For me it was a totally normal term to use Because it's on the ads, of the, you know the Hilux ad And it's just something you'd like say And you hit your thumb with a hammer to not swear You'd say that instead or whatever it might be But for him it had a whole different meaning And he couldn't believe that a Christian would ever say that So what am I saying? I'm not telling you what you can or can't do. Please don't hear me say that. I am saying this. If we don't have the insight of the Spirit giving us God's perspective, then our mind is influenced by the world and goes along with what it thinks is right. If we don't have the insight of the Spirit giving us God's perspective our mind is influenced by the world and we go along with what it thinks is right. That's why we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. You know, the word renewing means uh, it's anachinosis, which means literally to up new. So it's bringing one's thoughts up into the realm Of God. Colossians 3 verse 2 says it like this. Set your mind on things above. Not on things of the earth. How do we do that? By letting our spirit influence our mind. By being aware that we have a spirit. By listening to our spirit. When was the last time you... Sat down and told your mind to be quiet and let your spirit speak. Have you ever done that? Because we don't talk about it much in Western culture. Spirit is weird. In Genesis 1:26, it says, "We're made in God's image." And then, Lord, then God said, "Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth." You know, we are in His image. We're made in His image, in His likeness. This is a guitar case. You know what, it looks like a guitar and it is made in the image of a guitar, but it's not a guitar, I can't play it, it doesn't make any sound, it's designed to hold a guitar, the real thing is inside. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Somebody prayed that this morning at the prayer meeting. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We we have this treasure in an earthen vessel because the contrast between what is in us and what is on the exterior of us is designed to reveal him. The fact that, that something so amazing, the treasure, which is the Holy Spirit, could be inside me. Means that he is a good God. And so he does all of this by using all of us, our body, mind, and spirit, as we work together in him for his glory. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to get a little weird. Is it all right? If you don't like it, you can. um Uh, you can write a letter to Tim and complain. (laughs) would you close your eyes with me this morning, just as I read this scripture? And not because closing your eyes makes you more spiritual, but it stops you getting distracted. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. I just want you to say this after me. Jesus, I repent of being carnally minded, of allowing my mind to be in charge. Spirit, I give you permission to influence my mind. Jesus, I recognize you are dwelling by your spirit in my spirit. Make me more aware of you. Amen. If you want more prayer, um, there'll be people who can pray with you. uh, Come up the front or... Grab a couple of people that are sitting near you. Go in the spirit this week. I know it's a struggle, and it's a struggle. I'm, I'm not standing up here saying like I'm the expert. I was at AgFest all day Friday, totally forgot to be in the spirit. Too many tractors. But it is something that we need to live in as Christians. Because if we don't, we just get drawn to whatever our mind and flesh desire. So go well this week in the spirit. Be aware of your spirit. Let it, let it worship. Let it talk to you. I know it sounds weird. Just go with me. And have a great week.